the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Um, so today we're going to do Stranger Things 2. We're looking at week two. So I want to do a quick recap because two weeks ago we kind of did like a layup which is the layup for the whole of this series. So like if you missed two weeks ago and you didn't listen online, then some of the stuff I'll say won't really make much sense. So a quick recap, um, quoting from New Scientist magazine, not necessarily the Bible, whoops. Um, Quantum theory seems also to violate the principle of locality, which says that objects or events must be near one another to interact. In classical physics, for example, the gravitational or electrical force between two objects depends on their distance. The closer they are in space, the stronger the force between them. Quantum theory, meanwhile, introduces entanglement, a phenomenon that allows objects to seemingly influence each other instantaneously over any distance. So we looked at the book of Daniel, and we were looking at a passage where he'd been fasting for 21 days, and this angel comes and meets Daniel and starts to speak to him about a world Daniel never knew about, never understood. And this angel basically starts talking about these princes which are known as like rulers and powers and principalities when Paul talks about them in the New Testament. And these princes rule over these areas. And basically, he comes to Daniel and says, sorry, I got caught up. I was having a fight with the prince of Persia. And then the archangel Michael came to help me. And then now when I go back up, we're going to finish the job. And behold, the prince of Greece is coming in his place. And what happened is Daniel's kind of speaking and he's being seen what's happening in this kind of like the second heaven in the Jewish kind of tradition which reflects what happens here. And there's this entanglement between these two states. And what Daniel kind of sees is an outlook that actually what happens in heaven affects here on earth, what happens here on earth, that the two things are kind of entangled, that the two things are connected regardless of distance. And that what happens is this power, this principality is defeated and then replaced by another. And then we see in history that Persia falls and Greece takes its place. And Daniel calls that way before it happens. There's this theory that Paul then continues with when he says that we need to recognize that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood against the powers, the principalities in the heavenlies. That he goes, there's no point spending your whole life just fighting with what's in front of you when actually what's in front of you isn't necessarily the thing that needs to change. That there's an entanglement between these two forces. And so then the next week we were talking about is we were looking at Jesus and some of the things that Jesus was saying and how Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And he starts talking about how we can do nothing separate from him. That the life force that we get from God comes through being in the vine. And it talks about a separation, the branches that wither and are broken up and thrown in the fire. And how so often the way we think about that is about kind of a negative view on God and on judgment, but actually it's a view where we refuse to allow ourselves to position ourselves to be entangled with all that God has for us. We, we, we choose things of this world that aren't life-giving forces that cause us to be in a state where just like with a plant, when a, when a branch grows and dies, it, it, it just withers away. And there's nothing you can do about it now. You just gotta snap it off and get rid of it. It's not just gonna turn around. That's it, that, that branch is done. And so we need to be people that connect and get entangled with what God is doing. And so when we look at all of that kind of stuff and look at him being the vine and where we get this life from, today, like all good TV series, there's always an episode, like in Stranger Things, there'll always be an episode where it goes five days earlier or, you know, 20 years ago or the prior. So we talked about Jesus staying in this statement, but actually what we're going to look at is we're going to look at 30 years previous. 
But actually, to fully understand 30 years previous, we're going to go back thousands and thousands of years. So Genesis chapter 1. I don't need to flick there because I'm going to read just a small bit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then the rest of Genesis 1 is, and God said. So God says things, and things are created. And then we get to what John says in his gospel, and John starts his gospel connecting with what's said in Genesis. He says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him, not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, to his own people, and did, they did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me, ranks before me because he was before me for from his fulfillment we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God the only God who is at the father's side he has made him known to us So if we're going to talk about Jesus being the vine, we're going to talk about entanglement and things like that. The whole thing in Stranger Things is you see that there's this world, there's this other force involved in this world and this kind of scary thing. Well, in the story of the Bible, the narrative is that there is this otherworldly force that influences thing in Ge- things in Genesis 3. There is this, this, the devil we call him, El Diablo, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. There is this force that interferes and brings death into our world and that mankind now lives in this state of, of mess and if you look at the Stranger Things series there's you're going through it and there's these things just coming through the wall there's these scary moments where these things are happening there's these creatures crawling about and it's all a bit kind of like messed up and a bit scary but in, in the Bible story it's like that kind of stuff is happening that stuff, kind of stuff is real and people are helpless to it there's no protection against it there's no defense against it but then what God does is God doesn't look back stand back look at our situation and become distant from it and stay distant but he steps into it he entangles himself in our situation He becomes entangled in the things that are happening with us. God doesn't stay distant. God doesn't stay away from it. God becomes flesh and blood like you and I. And this is such an important part of the gospel because actually without this part of the gospel, without the Christmas story, you don't really get the Easter one. And I don't mean that just in a linear sense of timeline, but in the very fact of who God is, that he makes himself like one of us because he wants to entangle himself in our situation that we can experience a transformation. The thing that we looked at when we talked about quantum entanglement was that you had these two objects it didn't matter the distance it didn't matter any of that what mattered was that when one changes the other changes and Paul talks about us and talks about Jesus and his resurrection from the dead and he says that if he is the first fruit risen from the dead if he is holy the rest is holy if he rises we all rise 
the, the, the view of the gospel and the good news is this, is that God didn't stay distant leaving us in the horrors of where we are at, both mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, we still don't understand why we die today with all of modern science and all its different theories. And there are too many theories about why we die and none of them make any sense. And the deeper you go into them and when you get closer to them making sense, there's another question that doesn't make sense. And it just all goes a little bit crazy. No one knows really why we die, but the Bible says that because of sin, we die because of sin. And so Jesus, so God steps into this world and he says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. And we're going to look at a few things in the Bible that that different writers, different authors, different statements have to say. So this one is from the Apostle Paul. So 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to flesh, we regard him this way no more therefore if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation the old has passed away there's been this change behold the new has come all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is Christ God reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses their sin against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He made him who knew no sin become sin that you and I can become the righteousness of God. I don't... I don't like do City Hill because I'm a good person. I'm not a good person. I'm an absolute waste man. I don't I don't do any of this stuff. I don't I don't I don't preach the gospel. I don't talk about these stuff these things because I feel like I've got something to give. I haven't got something to give. I do this because he who had something to give has given me something. I don't come because I think I've got an answer for anyone. I come because I know who the answer is. I don't I don't come because I feel like hey I'm standing on some sort of position and I can help someone up. I can't help anyone up. I can't tie shoelaces. In the spirit but I know that God can make us whole because I know at the times he's made me whole I know that my mental health isn't necessarily great but I know the one who's given me a peace that surpasses understanding I know the one who it doesn't matter what circumstance I face no matter what situation I find myself in he keeps on seeing me through None of them are the same. None of them are connected in any way, but he sees me through every time. And so for me, it's like this thing that I want to be this ambassador that people might be reconciled to him. And and I believe the same for all of us. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. And then Philippians 2, verse 1. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interest, but also the interests of others. Have this mindset, this attitude, this spirit, which is yours in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God 
a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul has this same thing. It's the same take. So in Genesis, he's speaking all things into being, which is funny, which is really, really funny because the Bible and Genesis is full of things that atheists love to laugh about. But the latest areas of science would include string theory. Now, string theory says that at the very smallest level, everything is made up of vibrations, small vibrations on like tiny little strings. Like the whole universe is just an orchestra, a symphony, that everything is made up of vibrations, sound. And yet God spoke everything into being in this poem in in the first chapter of Genesis. But it's all hilarious and a joke. And then the thing about it is the note goes whack and we see that sin hits things off kilter and death enters in, that these vibrations now fade away. And then what do we have? We have in John's gospel, we have the word becomes flesh and blood because he comes to speak the right vibrations back in, that he's bringing the, the newness in because he has come to give us life and life everlasting. He hasn't come to give you a life that fades away. He hasn't come to give you something that's temporary. He hasn't come to give you the iPhone 11 Pro. He's come to give you something that doesn't fade away. There's no upgrade for this. There's no next 24-month contract. He's come to give you something everlasting that no one can take away, that no one can touch, something of more value than anything else this world has to offer. And, and, And Paul sees this, but then he says that we need to be of the same mind and the same attitude. He's kind of saying the same thing we talked about last week with the vine. Jesus said, you're in the vine. You need to abide in me and I in you. It's about getting that, being unique, being ourselves, but it's about having this same entanglement that we start to replicate everything that we see in him that needs to come into us. And then it carries on to the glory of God the Father. For what? Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Your salvation, by the way, in Greek, that's plural. It's not singular. Our language, we say your, and we mean your, like your phone, instead of like, you know what I mean? This is your salvation. The idea is that you bear one another up and you love one another, you cherish one another, that, oh, this person's going through this. You kind of, you kind of hold that in this way. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling, this awe and wonder. For it is God who works both in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless, innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as just a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice in me. So this whole thing that he's done is that you and I can be lights. This whole thing that he's done is that you and I can shine, that we can be kind of beacons that point to something, this entanglement with God that means something. 1 John chapter 2, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father in Jesus, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a lie and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him 
ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. There's this, there's this thing that we kind of like, we get entangled, we receive this salvation, we receive this goodness, this good thing from God, but then we've got to entangle ourselves in it. We've got to start walking in it because when you start walking in it, you start shining like stars and you start getting an inheritance that is greater than anything you could ever dream for because for me, you see, I, I've got to say all this stuff. You see, for my wife, it's, it's, it's easy for her to see me. Um, she knows I'm a waste man. She knows I'm a loser. She knows I'm close. And you know what? My kids at the moment are young enough that they think I'm a legend, but they're going to know that it's all got to crumble at a certain age. But you see, as I entangle myself with him, there's gonna be a light that's gonna shine. And then my kids, in the same way my dad, for me, absolute donut at times, shone so bright for me. Because my dad knew who Jesus was and he held Jesus in his proper place. So my dad would come and my dad would apologize to me as a child and say, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Can you forgive me? He'd model it for me. And you and I, we're called to not just model it for our kids, but for those who are around us in the different environments we find ourselves in. And so for John, it's like, he says like, listen, we've got to start to try and walk. It's like, it's great that we have an advocate who saves us, who forgives us of our sins. That is the propitiation, that he takes it away, that he's done with it, that he takes all of that in himself. But actually, he doesn't call us to stand still and then go, well, this is great. Let's stay like this forever. He calls us to walk in all that God has for him. 1 John 3 verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as pure. I wanna focus in on one thing. Has not appeared yet, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. You see, that's the hope of the Christian. The hope of the Christian is that just like Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He started touching people's lives. They started experiencing these miracles, these signs, personal signs of who God is for them, that they put their trust in him and they believed in him and they received a gift greater than anything they could ever know, hope or imagine. But as John says here, it hasn't yet appeared for us. But the moment when he appears, he says like, we will be like him. It's this sense of this entangled state that when he comes back, we're gonna be like him. That that's what the fullness of this, that's when the fullness of this happens, where we no longer have to live in this life full of death, sin, and tears. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Revelation 21. I had the pleasure of reading it at my nan's funeral, who, who kind of made a declaration of faith for a few years before she died. And I remember reading this passage. I loved it. I used to love it. I used to think it was such an emotional passage until I, I went to Bible college and then started studying background language and things that things mean. And it talks about the, him coming back and it says, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more pain, no more sickness, no more death, no more suffering. These things have passed away. Behold, I'm making all things new, continuously new, never fading. No iPhone 12 is coming. There is just that. It's never changing. It's just perfect. It's great. It's continuously sustained, good, never fading, never ceasing away. And the thing that I never realized was is they really romanticized that translation and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Like God is stooping low and as you're crying and sad, he's like, you don't need to be sad anymore. 
and just wiping them away. But the, the Greek word is obliterate. It's more like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the New Testament. I will obliterate every tear from their eyes. It's like crying won't exist anymore. Obliterated. But for some reason, when we translated it, the translator's like, man, I cannot put in Revelation 21 that he obliterates tears. Like, it sounds like a kind of cruel thing that God does. Like, he obliterates tears. I mean, it's such a sweet thing. No, he, he wipes them away. He doesn't wipe them away. But if he does, he wipes them away as in, you're gone, you're dead, you finished. It's gone. No one's doing that no more. But it's not. It's the Arnold Schwarzenegger Bible. I will obliterate tears from their eyes. That's what he says. That's what he says. And that's the fullness of the hope that we have in this state of entanglement. I want to pray for us today, and I'm going to leave things kind of there. Father, I thank you for these different accounts. I thank you for what Paul has to say and what he brings to us. I thank you, Lord, that he who knew no sin became sin itself in our place. How great is that? We never could have got out of this mess. We never could have dealt with this mess. We never could have experienced any of this goodness that you have, that you freely lavish and give to us, but you did it anyway. Thank you, Lord, that we see through John that actually we're his kids. Thank you that even if we do sin, we can know that we have someone, an advocate before the Father, that we are forgiven, that we are still forgiven. But Father, thank you that John also says, but hey, if we love that we're forgiven, we've got to love to walk in it. We've got to love to, to shine. Like Paul says, we've got to shine like stars. We've got to shine like lights among a dark generation and that we need to be people that don't just spend all our times grumbling and moaning about stuff. We're not cynics, we're believers. We have faith for change. We have faith for difference. Father, I pray you forgive us for the cynicism maybe we all experience towards some of the God dreams you put in us where maybe some of the areas of our lives we've stopped believing you for the goodness of what you want to do for us would we become entangled in you again would that word that you spoke over us reach into our heart and our soul again would we reconnect and believe knowing that if the first fruit is holy the rest is holy that if you have risen we will rise in Jesus name Amen so next week's going to be the last part of Stranger Things 2. And then we're going to be uh, moving on to do some really, really cool stuff. So have a great, great week. And look forward to seeing you all then. If you want a drink or anything, just let me know. Or let Trina, um, Lisa or Carol know. That'd be, that'd be coolio. hope you enjoyed today's message and if you'd like to find out more about city hill please visit our website cityhill.london London.